0: Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International podcast featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. I want to talk to you tonight about what I'm going to call the harvest or summertime. I want to talk to you about summertime. In the summer. Something very special happens. That's the time of the harvest. Now, for many of us, we've heard about these things, but God, in his wisdom, he created a cycle of life for us, and within that cycle of life, there were very strategic points along the way that he gave us that became opportunities for his redemption to come down to planet Earth and to come down to mankind. In his wisdom, he gave us a calendar that he he gave us these times that he would literally touch the earth with his presence and he would touch mankind with his presence. And, And Jesus came at each one of these appointed times. These are called the feasts of the Lord. I want to talk to you about summertime. It's the time between the spring feasts and the time between the fall feasts. Summertime. It's a time for harvest. Many of you have heard stories about the day that we're living in. Many of you have heard uh, prophets prophesy about a billion soul harvest that will take over the planet. Many people coming to know Jesus. A great harvest of souls. So summertime. God's, God's timetable for us is so important. And I want to talk to you about this summertime in light of what He's already done 2,000 years ago in the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. 2,000 years ago when He came on the feast, the Jewish feast of Shavuot or Pentecost. So God has a calendar, and His calendar is a timeline for His redemptive work on the earth. These are the times that He chooses to come and to meet in powerful ways with his people. And in another way, God is committed to the redemption of mankind and planet earth. His work follows his blueprint and also follows his schedule perfectly. You know, God has a plan for your life. You know, sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we, we think one thing or the other. We think that In the sovereignty of God, he's going to just do something in my life. Or we think that it's up to me completely. And it's both of these things working together. It's both of these things working together that I have a choice that I'm going to live out the plan of God for my life. And God also has a plan for my life. These two things working together. And this is the way that God did it through his through his calendar, this perfect timetable of redemption. So God knows the precise time that he will do something in the earth. God chooses to tell us, to show us these precise moments that he will do things in the earth. Yes, God knows when redemption is coming and he gave us his calendar so we would be prepared also. He has appointed times fixed dates that allow us to walk with confidence and faithfulness to his word. Did you know that everything is happening right now according to the plan of the Father? Everything that's happening right now is happening according to his timetable. You know, the the Lord brought these students to Cyprus for such a time as this. This is a mile marker in each of your lives. This is a significant part of your journey with God. We can say this with confidence because we have a track record of faithfulness with our God. We can look back on history and see how God has showed up time and time again. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, we don't just have to hope that something's going to happen in the future, but we can actually look back with faith because He's already done the things that He said He would do. It can stir faithfulness faith rising from our hearts. Come on. We have the benefit right now in this year, the year of 2017, to look back on the things that God has done with great clarity. God chose to give Israel seven significant dates on the calendar that He refers to as His Feast, the Feast of the Lord in Leviticus 23. Not only did He say that these were days on the calendar that He would show up, but he actually has showed up on these exact dates throughout our history. That's amazing. That's amazing. He gave us a date. He told us, do you know the great thing about a date? I love dates. Husbands, you know that dates are significant. I get to spend every single day with my wife, right? You know, some people say, why are the Feasts of the Lord still important? Because because we get, after Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn, we have access with boldness, we can come before the throne of God, right? Every day with Jesus, I believe that. Every day I have access to the throne of God. But you know what? There's something so special in a husband and wife relationship. I get to be with my wife every single day, but there's something so special when I tell my wife, that on such and such a day, at such and such a time, we're going to go out and we're going to have a great time. We're going to dress up. We're going to look nice. We're going to have romance. It's going to be amazing. And when my wife sees that date on the calendar, expectation grows in her heart. What? My husband wants to take me out. He wants us to have a good time together. He's going to lavish his love and his money on me. (laughs) We're going to have so much fun together. You know, every day is wonderful with my wife. But there's something so special about looking forward to significant date nights with her. And that's what the Feasts of the Lord are to us. He gives us dates. Yes, every day with Jesus, but significant times where he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. He actually showed up on these days throughout human history. His word is trustworthy. We see his redemptive plan unfold for all humanity through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Fifty days later, after the resurrection of D- Jesus, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts chapter 2 is a significant, uh, a significant passage, and I'm sure you've read it many, many, many times. But this came exactly 50 days. It says when the day of Pentecost has fully arrived. It came exactly 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. These events happened in time for the spring feast 2,000 years ago. He was crucified on Passover, Pesach in Hebrew, buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, resurrected on the Feast of fruits, and the Holy Spirit was poured out just in time for Pentecost on the Hebrew calendar, Shavuot. Wow. Wow. Could you imagine these disciples that had been with Jesus, experiencing this life with Jesus, and then all of a sudden, they begin to realize what's happening on the exact days of Pesach, on the exact days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, on the exact days of firstfruits, Yeshua rises from the grave. Come on. And then, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit is poured out on Shavuot or Pentecost. As believers, these days on his calendar have altered the course of our eternity. Death, burial, resurrection. They've altered the course of our eternity with God. As we live in the light of these great days, we are able to joyfully proclaim, we have a glorious future and hope in Messiah. So that's four of the feasts, but there are seven feasts on God's calendar. What about the rest? What about the rest of the feast? Well, did you know that everything in your Bible is pointing to one future event? No? Yes? Everything in your Bible is pointing to one future event, and although the cross is central to my salvation, is central to your salvation, the cross is not the central theme of our Bibles. What? How can you say that? How can you say that? Yes, of course, salvation. It's it's absolutely crucial. The cross is not central piece of the Bible, but the whole Bible is pointing toward the coming of Jesus. The coming of Jesus again. We're looking forward to a special day. Yes, we know our salvation is not the end of End goal of our lives, but the beginning of a new life in him. Right? The cross was the beginning of a new life in God. The pinnacle of human existence arrives with the coming of King Jesus. His return and righteous judgments are the longing of every human heart. Hallelujah. You and I have a part to play in this messianic kingdom. We have a part. The cross was crucial because it allowed us to realign our hearts through forgiveness and set us back on our our intended course of taking dominion of planet Earth. No, you didn't get that. The cross was so important, was so crucial because it realigned us. It brought us back into our intended purpose to take over planet Earth. To take over planet Earth. Remember when God put us in the garden? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue and take dominion over the earth. This is the original mandate from heaven. Jesus echoes the original mandate in Matthew 28 when he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whoa. What were they doing? They were doing what they were supposed to be doing from the beginning. Take over in authority. Subdue, take dominion over planet Earth. Come on. Our original mandate was to be fruitful and multiply, subdue and take dominion. All of this governing was to be done in the context of our relationship with the Father. All roads lead to the second coming and dominion of planet Earth. Whoa. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. We are here to take over this planet. Now, there's lots of uh, perversions of this plan. But I tell you what, I won't water down the plan of God on my life. I want to live out his plan completely, his plan fully. And I want to do what he said that I would do. Come on. These events we talk about are part of our glorious future. Three of the seven feasts are still waiting for their fulfillment at his return. At his designated time for blowing trumpets, the king will be ushered home through the announcement of his coming at Yom Teruach, or the Feast of Blowing. This is in Leviticus 23. All of these feasts that God gave the nation of Israel... On a future Yom Kippur, or the Day of Covering, or the Day of Atonement, the King of Kings will sit in judgment in Jerusalem as the nations stream up His holy mountain for the righteous for their righteous reward. And the seventh and final feast will find its fulfillment when Jesus lives as King among His people at Tabernacles. Come on. So God has a glorious plan for mankind and for planet Earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is faithfully working His redemptive plan according to His calendar given to His people. He didn't want you to be caught off guard. He didn't want you to be unaware. He told you what was going to happen, and He said, these are my times with you. These are my special times with you. For a little more context, I want to talk about uh, resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. First, the Feast of First Fruits, or what we now call Resurrection Sunday, many people call Easter. The first fruits or firstborn always belong to God. The biblical principle here is that the first fruits were always the best and the choicest of all that was to follow, that was to come after. They were holy to the Lord. This time of the year, agriculturally, you know biblically speaking was the time when the winter barley crop was just beginning to ripen. It was the the first sheaf or the first fruits of the harvest is cut and in a prescribed and meticulous ceremony presented to the Lord. The Lord's acceptance of this first fruit is a down payment on the full harvest coming in. First fruits. Feast of firstfruits. What happened on firstfruits? Yeshua raised from the dead. What does it say about Yeshua? Yeshua is the firstborn of many brethren. He raised from the dead. Now we also are raised to new life in Him. He is our firstfruit offering. Wave before the Father. Come on. Hallelujah. In Exodus 13:2, we see the firstborn of man and beast being sacrificed and presented to the Lord in Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 11, we see the first fruits of all produce from the earth being presented to the Lord. We see the fulfillment of the feast in the life of Yeshua in Matthew 1, 23, It says Yeshua is the firstborn of Mary. These are all the things that it says about Yeshua. Hebrews 1:6. Yeshua is the firstborn of God the Father. Hebrews uh, Colossians 1:15. Yeshua is the firstborn of every creature. In Romans 8, 29, Yeshua is the firstborn of many brethren. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and 23, Yeshua is the firstfruits of the resurrected ones. woo Yes, Colossians 1, 18, Yeshua is the preeminent one. He came first. It's interesting to note that others in the Old and New Testaments were raised from the dead. However, they died again. Yeshua was the first to be resurrected from the grave, never to die again. He alone is the firstfruits. He alone is our firstfruit offering. Now we have this hope because Yeshua's life was being waved before the Father. Remember, that's a part of the ceremony of the Feast of Firstfruits, that they would take the, the first cut of the fruit, and they would grab it and they would wave it before the Lord. The priest would take it and wave it before the Lord and say, This is my offering. This is my first fruit offering to you. Yeshua has now become our first fruit offering to him. His life is being waved before the Father as the prescribed offering for all humanity, the whole harvest that is yet to come in. Harvest time. I love 1 Peter 1.3 that says, All honor to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is by His boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege of being born again. Now we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Woo-hoo! For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for His children. It is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in his mighty power, will protect you until you receive this salvation because you are trusting him. Wow, that's powerful. That's a promise. That's a promise. Our hearts are filled with hope because Jesus rose again. Why do you have hope? Jesus rose again. Why do you have hope? Because Jesus rose again. We trust we will rise because he has risen. In the Hebrew world, there was much more of a connection between physical and spiritual. There was much more of a connection than we, than we realize today. All of these feasts given had an agricultural, a land application, an application with the ground, with the dirt, with the mud, with this planet, as well as for the people there was a redemptive purpose for the land and for the people. Offerings were required because they demanded loyal participation and covenant commitment from a nation that was primarily occupied by farmers. They had to show their commitment to God by giving of the first fruits of the land. To give a first fruit offering to the Lord was total dependency on Him for provision. Give to you first. The final feast of the spring was called Shavuot or Pentecost in Exodus 34, 22, And you shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest. So you see that the two primary crops in Israel at that time were the barley and the wheat, the barley and the wheat harvest. Shavuot was the celebration of the first fruit offering of wheat as the earnest or guarantee for the rest of the harvest. Jesus was the guarantee on first fruits, that was the barley harvest, for the redemption of mankind. The Holy Spirit being poured out on Shavuot was for the redemption and the first fruits of all that was to come for planet earth and for you and I. Come on the harvest of souls that was coming in. The emphasis of this celebration was on God as our provider. The date of this feast was counted from the Feast of first fruits or Resurrection, seven weeks. Shavuot means the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost is 50 days, right? So seven times seven, the Feast of Weeks, 49. And then the next day in Hebrew, and then on Pentecost in Greek, it's the 50th day. Hallelujah. Three of the seven feasts were known as pilgrim feasts to the Lord. The feasts where the, the, the men of Israel, the men and the boys, they would go up to the mountain of the Lord. They would go up to Jerusalem. They would go up to the temple. Uh, and this was, Shavuot was one of these three pilgrim's feasts. The other two pilgrim's feasts were Passover and Tabernacles. It was during or about these pilgrim pilgrimages that the songs of ascent were written. Do you know Psalm 120 through 134? If you look in your Bible, it says the songs of ascent. These were the songs that were written as the Jewish men and their sons were going up on camping trips in caravans. Lots of men from villages and from the the known world at that time coming up to Jerusalem. I love to think about uh, Psalm 133 that says, How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil running down the head of Aaron, down the beard of Aaron, and down the garments of Aaron. There the Lord commands a blessing. This song was written by these men as they were going up to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts. They were around a campfire, maybe. They were eating s'mores around the campfire, and they were singing these songs. Why? Because it was so good to sit around with other guys and talk about the testimonies. Last year, when we went to the house of God, you remember when the glory of God filled the temple? Sons, my son, you weren't there yet. You weren't old enough yet. But let me tell you, hey, tell him, tell him, tell him about what happened last time we went to the temple of God. And unity begins to build in the hearts of the fathers and the sons. As they go up with great expectancy. I love Shavuot because there is great expectancy that is built into this feast that's coming. I wanted to talk about Shavuot because this is going to happen while you guys are on outreach. You're going to celebrate Shavuot while you're on outreach. The, the the time of Shavuot is happening literally while you're there. Okay? And I wanted to talk about this because there should be expectancy expectation that's growing in your heart as you move, as you go out to see all that God has for you during this time. So, no. So do you remember I told you that Pentecost 50 days, what they would do, the Jewish people would do is they would take a bowl and would, there were, they would be something called the Omer in the bowl. And they would, they would take each one of these, like, like, let's just picture it like a kernel, a kernel of wheat. They would take a kernel of wheat and they would take it out of the bowl, and they would count 50. And they would count down until Shavuot. Now, whenever you have a countdown, there is expectation growing in your heart, right? Whenever there's a countdown. And, um, and I thought about this. With a countdown, I think about these two things. In the United States, in New York City, there, when there, there's a countdown before the new year. And something happens on the new year when this ball drops down. But there's a countdown that takes place. Ten, nine, eight. And it's so powerful because you're expecting something new and something fresh. Right? There's a countdown before a new season, a new era. And there's also a countdown that always takes place before a rocket launches. Right? You know what I'm talking about. A lot... Before a rocket launches into the sky, there's always a countdown. Shavuot would be the beginning of a new season, right? A new year, a new season. And this new power through the Holy Spirit would be explosive like the launching of a rocket. Come on. Come on. After Yeshua was raised from the dead on first fruits, excitement was growing in the hearts of his disciples. The countdown to Shavuot had begun, and they knew from reading in Ezekiel and Habakkuk every year at this time that this was the season that was all about whirlwinds and all about fire. Sorry, I know that (laughs) I'm supposed to loosen something there, but... Whirlwinds and fire. Ezekiel and Habakkuk talk about this. Jewish people, they read these passages of Scripture every year at Shavuot. Right? Every year at Shavuot they read this. So there was this anticipation that was growing for the latter glory that would fill the temple of God as they begin to count down the days. I want you to count with me tonight. We're going to count in threes, okay, starting with 50, because there's 50 days that lead to Shavuot or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let's start 50, 49, 48. The disciples filled with increasing hope with every encounter of the resurrected King began to rally together and dream. Maybe this will be the time of the fulfillment of all the promises concerning Israel and the messianic age. Where do we leave off? There you go. The words of the prophets must have been exploding inside of them as it was counting down. Remember, Isaiah told us the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Come on. Yeah. And Micah explained that the ruler of Israel would be born in Bethlehem. Come on, that's right. And again, Isaiah said that the Messiah would be the Son of God. God declared in the Psalms that all the nations would be given to his Son and he would be king on his holy hill of Zion. 30. And didn't the prophet Zechariah speak about Messiah coming as king, but in humility riding into Jerusalem on a donkey? That's Yeshua. Yeshua. Come on. Again, the Psalms declare that it would be the Messiah's friend that ate bread with him who betrayed him. That was Judas. Come on. Wasn't it Zachariah who told us that 30 pieces of silver would be the price of Messiah's betrayal? Yes. And that the silver would be thrown to the potter. Come on. It's just as they say. Isaiah told us that the Messiah would be despised and rejected. The prophet also said that we would hide our faces from him. I'm sure Peter found little comfort in the fact that his denial was also foretold. King David saw the Messiah's hands and feet being pierced just as we saw it. 14, 13, 12. One more. Okay, with 10 days, 10 days to go before Shavuot, the disciples asked their resurrected Messiah in Acts 1, 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, Acts 1-6, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were ready, and it was all coming together just as the Father had planned. They saw all of the prophets, all the things that they foretold. Jesus is doing all of these things, one thing after another. We're seeing it happen right before our very eyes. They were shocked when Jesus answered them, it's not for you to know. The times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. It's interesting that during this exciting time where the disciples were getting to see Messiah work out His plan through the specific, the very specific appointed times, each one of these things... You know, you may not have known about these feasts because you haven't read that part of the Bible. But as Jewish men and women, they knew this part of Scripture very well. They, were, they would recite large passage of, passages of Scripture about the coming Messiah. And so when Jesus began to live it out in their presence, maybe they didn't see it right at first, but after Jesus went to the cross, was buried, and was resurrected... It started to click. It started to click. This is what the prophets foretold. This is what the prophets told us was going to happen. They are now asking, what's next? What's next? Is this the time? Is this the time for all of the kingdom to be restored to Israel? It only makes sense, Jesus. It only makes sense. You're fulfilling all of these things so exactly, so perfectly. Perfectly. The next thing must be that all of the kingdom is restored to your people, Israel. And that wasn't a bad question that they asked. It just wasn't the right time for that question. It wasn't a bad question that they asked. It wasn't the right time for this question. They were asking something about the fall. They were asking a question that related to the fall feasts. They were in, currently in the spring feast. And they were asking a question about the fall feast. But what separates spring and fall? Summer. 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 And when Jesus answers them, he says to them. So they were asking a fall feast question. They were hoping that Jesus would speed up the sequence of time. They were hoping that Jesus. Because he's here. Because he's here right now. That he would just speed it up. He would accelerate it. He would make it happen. But Jesus says, I don't believe, so I don't believe in this passage that he was telling me it's not for you to know the season of time. But he says, but that it's not, uh, the season that you're wanting isn't here yet. That he had to follow God's plan. God had a plan and there was a sequence That this plan was going to be worked out into. And so they couldn't, even though Jesus was there, there and now, there was something that had to happen before he came again, right? They still had the harvest. They still had to harvest the summer crop before the messianic age. Yeshua doesn't answer the question in the way that they were asking, but he does answer the question. As Yeshua ascends into heaven, he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. So the disciples head into Jerusalem and gather in the upper room, waiting for the gift and the promise of the Helper to come. With nine days, eight days, seven days remaining until their feast of Shavuot, they put things in order with the election of the new disciple to fill the place of Judas, and then they began to pray. What have you been doing on this mountain? You've been praying. They began to pray, fervently believing that they will receive the fullness of Yeshua's promise on the special feast that was coming. A lot of people believe that uh, the disciples probably didn't know what they were waiting for and when it was going to happen. Jesus told them that they were waiting for the gift of the Father that was the Holy Spirit. And they knew that there was only 10 days to go until Shavuot. 10 days to go until Shavuot when he told them this, gave them this promise. There must have been so much excitement, so much expectancy in their heart leading up to this. Because now we're not going to just read about Ezekiel. We're not going to just read about whirlwinds. We're not going to read about fire. We're going to experience it. With six days, five days, and four days left, as they gather with the 120 in that upper room, they meditate on the vision of Ezekiel as there was their tradition leading up to Shavuot. They must have been picturing the scene in Ezekiel 1.4 described as a windstorm and a great cloud with fire flashing all around, and the four living mysterious creatures. With three days remaining, they must have exhausted all of their intelligible, understandable, human words and decided to focus on praying the prayer that Jesus gave them when he told them to pray in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can see them saying this over and over and over again. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done and just being encouraged as they pray and their volume, their voice getting louder and louder and louder and louder. Your kingdom come, your will be done Two days gave way to the last day before the feast. And we pick up in Acts chapter 2 where it says, when the day of Shavuot or Pentecost had fully come, they were in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Yes. Now it says men and women began to gather because of the sound of the Holy spirit being poured out. They gathered around the house where the disciples were meeting. And I imagine because of the heat of the fire in the upper room, the disciples had to get out onto the roof Because of the heat, it says the tongues of fire. There was fire on each of their heads in that upper room. I don't know what happens when this furnace is lit in this room right here in the wintertime. This this furnace is lit. In my house, I have a furnace about that size. In my house, I have 3,000 square feet. It's a good-sized house. That heater heats up my whole house. That fire, one fireplace heats up. My whole house, not just a room, a whole house, not just a room, a whole house. But there were one hundred and twenty fireplaces in that room. One hundred and twenty. I can't imagine how hot that it got in the upper room. And the heat was for a purpose. The heat was to drive them out of the comfort of their room. The heat was for a purpose. It was to drive them out onto the rooftop. The heat was for a purpose because it was never supposed to stay in a building. It was never supposed to stay in a temple. It was supposed to go out into all the earth. Come on. Come on. So hot. So hot that they went out because the spirit could not be contained. So now they were yelling in the Holy Spirit in a drunken state. Come on, let's just pray in tongues for a minute. And as they begin to pray in the Spirit, it says that the crowd grew. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to get you quiet after that. <laughs> Come on. It says the crowd began to grow outside. They were gathering. They heard the sound. They heard the sound. They saw the light. Peter begins. They, the people in the crowd, they're like, what is going on? What's happening with these people? You know, many people, after you leave this place, they're going to ask you, what's wrong with you? What's happening? What's going on? They ask questions like that. And Peter begins to stand up. And as everybody's is speaking in tongues, he begins to connect all the dots throughout the history of Israel with the Holy Spirit. This was probably the greatest history lesson known to man. It was so spirit filled. Right. You know, have you ever been in a history lesson? You're like getting bored. No, this one wasn't boring. The Holy Spirit was directing Peter as he began to tell them it's because of that and because of that that happened after that that happened after this. And that's why we're here today. The very thing Yeshua Jesus had said 10 days before was now taking place. It was now happening. The Holy Spirit is coming to empower you to bring in the summer harvest of souls. The kingdom was coming and the will of heaven was being done through every person that now believed. Summertime is all about harvest. Yeshua said, it's better that I go. Yeshua said, how could it be? The disciples must have been thinking, how can it be better that you go? In the scheme of things. In the scheme of things. In my plan. My whole plan. You only see part of my plan. But I've got a whole plan. And in the scheme of things, it's better that I go. It's better that I go so that the the gift of the Father can be given to you. The promise of the Father can be given to you because there's something that has to happen before I return. The summer harvest has to come in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe right now we're living in summertime. We're, be- we're living in right now, we're living in the time of the harvest. Now you guys, this is very real for you, you young people going out on to outreach. You're going to reach out with the message of the kingdom. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit during this upper room time. Here. This fiery time on the mountain. You're going out with vision and you're going out with power. You have been empowered for such a time as this. Now, we are currently prophetically living. I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about in in the seasons of God we are living in summertime we're living in harvest time you know what's good news about that because it doesn't matter if my my in my yearly cycle when it's fall time it's still summertime when it's winter time and I'm starting to feel cold on the outside I should Be warmed by the Holy Spirit inside because it's still summertime when it turns. When winter turns to spring, I I shouldn't forget the season that I'm really in because it's actually summertime. It's actually summertime. I'm speaking prophetically. I'm speaking about the timetable of heaven, the timetable which God preordained for you and I to live out. To live out. It's summertime. Hey, I want you to get something in your spirit. I don't want you to forget this. I want, I, I want, like, no matter what comes your way, no matter what's happening around you, I want you to remind yourself it's summertime. It's summertime. Good things happen in the summer. Good things happen in the summer. We get to enjoy his face. We get to enjoy the sun. We get to enjoy, we get to enjoy all these good things that take place. We get to eat the fruit of our labor in summertime we get to pick and to enjoy the things that have been planted in the ground even seasons past it's summertime come on and guess what even beyond the fact that it's summertime right now you have something great to look forward to and that after summertime prophetically after summertime the fall feast arrive and yeshua is here in his glory Yeshua is here in his glory. His word will go forth from Jerusalem. The earth will rejoice and be glad as proper order is once again established. Those who believe and have been equipped through testing and trials will rule and reign with him. You know, that's the great thing about summertime. When you have summertime in your heart, it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day. It doesn't matter if you're in prison. It doesn't matter what's going on, if you're being persecuted for the message that you carry, if it's summertime in your heart, you know that after summertime, Jesus returns in glory. I am expecting, I am anticipating that great day. The former things, it says in Revelation that there's coming a time where there's no more pain, there's no more crying, and there's no more death. The former things will have passed away. The the word that kind of marks this season for you guys is hope. The, the, the the, The word that marks this last season of this season of discipleship is you've been given new hope for new life in him. A life in the spirit. Hallelujah. The former things, it says, will have passed away. Those who have been faithful with their talents and gifts, as small as they may seem, will be given authority over a city. Those who have been given, who are faithful with what they've been given, will be given authority over a city. And those who have done very well, it says, over ten cities. Now you could just take that as a parable. You could just say, well, Jesus was trying to illustrate, yes, Jesus was trying to illustrate something about what, that which was coming. He's saying, if you're faithful with what you're given, then I'm going to make you ruler over much. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to empower you by the Holy Spirit to rule and to reign with me. Come on. So how do we get there? How do we get there? It's exactly the same way the disciples were encouraged to get there. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need fresh, continual, overflowing baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's a harvest that's white. There's a harvest that's ripe. There's a harvest that's ready. It's just waiting to be plucked. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest. Send out laborers into the harvest field. And that we've we've talked about this this week with the students, that oftentimes the very prayer that Jesus gives you to pray is the life he wants you to live your prayer becomes your mission god's given you a mission you're going out you've been equipped you're ready there's going to be challenges along the way but guess what it's summertime it's summertime hey I think the Lord will be tremendously honored if, if you face a challenge during this outreach, that you encourage yourself in the Lord by saying, it's summertime. It's summertime. What does he say? Speak to your soul. Speak to your soul. It's summertime. It's summertime. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Come on. Even in darkness, deep darkness covering the people, the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen on you. This is the promise of God for your life. It's summertime. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.